Hey, everybody. Welcome to Revolutionary Relationships, a podcast here to support you in your emotional, your relational, and your spiritual evolution. Yes. And if you don't know, we are your hosts, Kara and Caleb, and we are so glad that you are here. This is going to be the best day ever. This is going to be the best day ever. Wake up. <laughs> Welcome well, to the end of the year. <laughs> What'd you say? 2022, new you. New year. 2022, a brand new you. <laughs> well, anyways, welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks since we have push record. Yeah, it has been a couple um, of weeks. Yeah, you, but for good reason. I feel like the second half of the last quarter uh-huh. uh, for me has been the busiest time of the year for me when yeah. it comes to speaking. And so I've been nonstop and just haven't had the capacity to uh, really do the legwork of editing and publishing. And You got stranded in Kansas. And I got stranded in Kansas. That was exciting. A dust storm. Yeah. A dust storm with 100 mile per hour winds. I've never seen anything like that. It looked like the apocalypse. It was it was eerie. I grew up, what, I was like three hours away from my childhood home, mm. right? And I grew have grown up in the panhandle wind and the Kansas plain, the, that type of wind, mm-hmm. but never like this. Yeah. I've actually never been in a dust storm where it went from sunny and windy mm. to all of a sudden it got blackout mm. at 11.30 a.m. so strange. <laughs> and it was just a sky full of dirt. Yeah. I was picking dirt out of my ears for the next several hours <laughs> as I was driving five hours to another airport. Even when you were calling me from the car, it was like a wind tunnel. I could hear the wind. It was gnarly. It was on my way to Wichita uh-huh. when I had to go to the other airport. Like when I passed two or three semis that had Flipped toppled. Over. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. So terrifying. Glad you're back. Glad you're safe. Glad I we're am. here together talking on our podcast. <laughs> um, so Karen and I have been going back and forth on <clears throat> uh, just, we, we did an exercise, let me say it like this, we did an exercise um, individually um, and we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more extensively about it here on the last episode that we'll publish this year. Yeah. Um, and we're really excited about next year with this podcast. I really want to. I, I really want to really focus on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, We've had such fun times. Yeah, but I feel like good we're feedback. Barely even scratching like, the surface. Scratching the surface. Yes. Putting a toe in the water right now. Yeah. I really want to jump in and get way more intentional with this podcast. So absolutely, we'll be spending some time on what that looks like mm-hmm. and. We are excited mm-hmm. about what's coming in 2022 with the podcast. Yeah. And if you are a listener and you have felt like uh, you've really loved a specific episode or a topic or something that we dive into that feels helpful, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we, we love feedback. <laughs> but what we did is we essentially, I was listening to a podcast with James Clear, if you're not aware of him. Uh, he's the author of the book Atomic Habits. I've never really gravitated towards his work. Uh, But for whatever reason, on this podcast, I was really drawn in and I did some research and I landed on his website and I have seen that he, over the last few years, have, he's done these like year in reviews, Mm. right? And he, he keeps them pretty simple, but like what worked, what didn't work, where Mm -hmm. is he going, so on and so forth. Um, But something that I've wanted to like kind of move more towards in my own life is really tracking, tracking habits, just tracking my life to Mm -hmm. see the growth if you're anything like me, it's so easy to go an entire year and feel like nothing changed, mm-hmm. even though so many things have changed, right? And there mm-hmm. are the bigger things that have changed over the course of this year, like moving from Los Angeles to Nashville, bringing a baby into mm-hmm. this world, um, or almost about to bring a baby into this world. So I'm not saying like big things, 
but like has my life actually changed have i have i actually grown Mm -hmm. um and so i myself decided to do my own 2021 year in review and i am telling you it was it was a really powerful exercise for me like i'm already Mm -hmm. looking forward towards to the end of 2022 so i can do it again yeah um it's it was i wrote pretty extensively so it was like four thousand words (laughs) yeah um but i published that on my website as well um, I think Kara's going to publish hers, but we just wanted to take the time with this podcast to kind of look at the good, the bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. um, what we're proud of, what really transpired this year, um, really just to put language to it in hopes that, you know, if you are in a similar season, it will maybe help you better understand where you're at in life as well. Mm-hmm. And help give you some tools to reflect. Absolutely. And so I think uh, the first thing I'm kind of curious about um with you mm. is uh, what was your favorite book this year? Ooh, my favorite book. Uh, honestly, I, I'm probably going to say the one that I'm finishing right now. Um, it's called Mothering from Your Center. Oh, yes. And it has been probably the most transformational book I could have imagined going into motherhood because it's putting to language um, – Uh, really this sense of tapping into your intuition when it comes to motherhood. And again, there's so much, there are so many opinions out there from people (laughs) who parent, but this, mm -hmm, but this book really, it feels so, so much in alignment with me because I, I have been someone who's had to really journey back to self, back to this place of learning how to trust myself. And I think going into motherhood is the next evolution of that. It's the next evolution of how am I going to lean into my inner knowing and to my deep knowing around this child and this book has been so, so beautiful at breaking down the, the ways to do that, the ways to really step into it. Um, and it's just a beautiful perspective on motherhood, you know, like there's so many perspectives out there. And I think this is, this book has, has been one where I feel, I feel really seen. seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, 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 uh, infuses the mystical and the magical, with the practical with the practical yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful emergence i love that for you what i had a question for you actually but i'm trying i just spaced on it <laughs> <laughs> as i'm sitting with you right now um it's funny it's it, it's funny because again coming into this year i didn't I, we weren't like planning on having no. a kid <laughs> like we were we open to it but i don't like i would not have at in january of 2020 one said, Oh, by December, I'm going to be reading books about motherhood. And yet here I am. And I, it, it is so fun for me and I've never been more elated and excited about something in my life. And so I think there's a lot of gratitude that comes in reading this book too, because I'm like, Oh, I'm, I get to be here right now. This is the season that life has gifted to me. And I, I know it's going to be hard and full of sleep deprivation and a lot of hormones and (laughs) emotions, but but I, I am sitting in a, a deep place of gratitude around it. I think, we'll, and we'll talk more uh, about this, but Karen and I have spent a lot of time together talking about how clear it, it is that this baby doesn't just represent like mm. a baby. It doesn't just mm-hmm. represent this new life that we're bringing into this world. But this, this young child, like this baby represents really the expansion mm-hmm. on the other side of grieving on the other side of letting go mm. on the other side of honoring your truth 
right? Mm -hmm. On the other side of living an emotionally honest life. Like there were things that had led up Mm -hmm. to this moment of Kara and I now like realizing that, oh my God, Kara's pregnant. Like Uh we can look back at this and really see as much as it's not a formula. Yeah. Like we can really kind of see the formula to expansion because it not only played out in this scenario with bringing this child into the world, but also I think it was exactly what we did Mm. before we met each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The same energy of, of going inward and creating more internal space. Yeah. So in our external lives, we could hold more. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, we'll talk more about that. But I think for me, the best book that I read was similarly, similarly, similarly. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> hello, Tongue my name tie. is Caleb, and I'm still learning how to speak. Um, <laughs> uh, anchored. Oh The yeah. last book that I read is called Anchored by Deb Dana, and it's all about the polyvagal theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it has become increasingly more evident to me. That while I have been on a journey that's almost a decade long uh, of of inner healing and while I have practiced and entertained and, you know, leaned into so many different modalities when it comes to the healing that I've experienced over this last decade, now like 12 years, it is so clear to me now, though, that like behind behind all of it, Mm. what was really happening in my life is I was learning how to unintentionally learning how to uh, regulate a very, very dysregulated nervous system. And this book puts it to words in such a beautiful, elegant way. And I realized that like, if there was one self-help book, if there was one book that I would read when it comes to healing and growth, Mm. it would be this. Because I feel like this is the mother load the meat yeah this is like what when i look back at the last 12 years of my life i'm like this is what was happening and now that i know it and see it and i continue to practice it i just realized that life is this dance between like getting triggered activated or dysregulated right and it's all about shortening that time period between being like centered being anchored Mm grounded and present in what she would call like your ventral vagal or your parasympathetic nervous system, right? You're in that place of anchored and that's where life is abundant and free and mm. alive and hopeful and all the great things that we want to experience. And then we get triggered, we get stressed, right? We get mm-hmm. activated and we go out of that place of being anchored and we feel anxious, we feel overwhelmed, we feel depressed, whatever it might be. Life is all about learning how to recenter ourselves mm. and come back so that we can experience everything that is available in this present moment. In the moment, and She yeah. gives you the tools to do that. And I think it's just so, so powerful. Highly recommend. Yeah, I feel like for you, you've really, you this year has been one of coming into like deep presence mm. and really being there. Um, I'm curious, like with Anchor, do you feel like it's a book that if you haven't done work, like if you haven't done emotional yeah. work, you still think it. If translates. you're looking, if you're looking to like, you know, understand, I'm self. tired of living with these knee jerk reactions to life. I'm tired of allowing mm. what people say and the things that happen outside of my control to define who I am mm-hmm. and to like weigh on me. Like I'm tired of feeling trapped in my life. I want to reclaim my life. Like if you're living with any of those questions and you just don't know where to start, I think 100% she. She takes a very complex subject mm-hmm. and makes it very, very practical and approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so before we dive into uh, any more, I just want to give a, a, sh- a quick shout out to 
today's sponsor. Today's sponsor. <laughs> and it is our friends over at Calibrate. So why don't traditional diets work? Because you can't fight your biology with willpower. But Calibrate is different. It is a comprehensive doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Calibrate works because they combine prescribed FDA-approved medication with lifestyle changes to improve metabolic health. It's a fully integrated program that includes classes, one-on-one -on -one video coaching, in-app tracking, community with members like you. They provide a comprehensive wellness plan personalized to your needs so it's easy to fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. Check in with the app as often or as little as you would like. All of the goals you set are personalized and tracked by doctors and coaches. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get $50 off your one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at joincalibrate.com. Thank you, Calibrate. <laughs> we are grateful. All right. So um, where do we start? I think uh, let's start with work. Yeah. Because I know we have both shifted. You really have shifted. Um, but yeah, talk to me about work. Yeah. I Well, really quickly. <laughs> I, I, would... I, I, I vividly remember the meltdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of shifting in the past two years. Um, well, really quickly, I think one thing that um, was helpful for me this year in terms of doing this reflection exercise, I did mine a little bit differently. I didn't use James Clear's questions. I actually, um, I actually started my review because... Uh, my mastermind we had our last meeting and I was like oh we got to do an end of the year oh, yeah. review and so we went through this list of questions as prompts and we wrote a letter to ourselves at the end of the year like dear Kara here's what I'm proud of in 2021 and it was really fun to to write because I think um similarly to you you're like oh my gosh way more happened than than yeah I thought this year and there's a lot to to name and I think in naming some of these things, it's such a beneficial practice because then we start to see, we actually start to see things that we can look at and then vision for next year. But for me, for work, um, yeah, I felt really proud. I, I did my group program four times. That's pretty awesome. Which was amazing. And it was so life-giving <laughs> and so fun and transformational. Um, I launched my coaching business, which feels really brave and when I look back, I'm like, oh, I, I just did that. I just yeah. like decided to do that. And then I did it. And I took a lot of risks. I feel like I put myself out there in a way that I hadn't before. Right. Uh, I, I ventured into this new space of career that I, I intuitively knew was possible, but I didn't, uh, I didn't know how to mm -hmm. necessarily make it happen. But I felt like I was partnering intuitively with what I knew I could do. So that felt really good. But yeah, I feel like in work, in the workspace, my group program, my one-on-one -on -one clients, I, I just told you this, Caleb, but I just got off of a call with a client and it is so rewarding to see yeah. people win in their lives, yeah. to see people see massive transformation and to have breakthrough and to feel connected to themselves. So the fact that I get to do that as my work has felt massive. I'm sure on the other side of this now, like... I mean, you teach in a lot of ways women how to reconnect to their bodies and mm. to their own deep knowing and really, in a nutshell, like how to trust yourselves. Yeah. 
right? Everything yeah. in this world is teaching you to trust something outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like to actually trust yourself mm-hmm. and like have the courage to sit mm-hmm. with that? Because it takes a, a lot of courage uh, because it's on you, mm-hmm. right? This is between you and yourself and it's on you. It's easy to trust things outside of ourselves because then we can always point the finger and place the blame when things don't work out the way that we thought they were going to mm-hmm. work out. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's been interesting to see you like doing this work and, you know, going back in January when we were having that conversation in our house in East LA, um, like you had, to, it was this moment of like, do I really trust myself to yeah. make this transition? Can I do this? Can I do this? But now sitting on the other side of it, how has this kind of like reshaped the way that you see yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest lesson has been that when I actually listen to my intuition, it always works. Yeah. And maybe not in the way that I expected it to work. It doesn't necessarily follow a linear plan that my mind had mapped out. But when I lean into my deep knowing, when I lean into what is very intuitively true for me, it always Mm -hmm. works. There's always life on it. And so it is, it is fascinating to me that that is my work with other people (laughs) to empower them into that space. And it makes sense. Like you're going to have to do your own work, which is also such a beautiful accountability to me to continue to lean deeper and deeper into my knowing. Mm-hmm. And I think on the other side of this like coin, it's been a privilege to watch you because it's so easy, obviously, for me to like you are a workhorse like you you work. I like working. You do like <laughs> working. But it's I've because I feel like I like since the day I met you, like I know you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there has been this, I think. How do I say it? There's been this like trust mm. That, yeah, like, I trust Kara. I don't know. Like, when you first talked to me about some of these things, I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, where are you going with this? Yeah. But there was something in me that just trusts your process. Yeah. You know, and I think it's been so great for me to sit back and watch this unfold and some of the setbacks and some of the mistakes and still mm-hmm. watch you navigate this massive transition and step into this new role and step into this new real identity. Um and you've done it with such intentionality and such awareness and such compassion towards yourself and so much grace, despite some of the setbacks and mistakes that it's only deep in my trust in you, mm. you know, and mm. I'm excited because I think the trust like in your process and subsequently the trust you have in my own process, mm-hmm. um, I think in a lot of ways is probably going to be the prerequisite that is going to have to be necessary mm. that's going to invite in or allow or give space to the big things that we desire to do down the road Mm -hmm, because it doesn't come without risks but i know that i trust you in knowing your body listening to your body Mm. um i trust you in honoring your own intuition and doing what you believe is right Mm. like i trust you of course we could have conversations around those things but i trust you and i think this has been such a a beautiful year where i've i've got to sit back and really like deal with the things that it had surfaced in my life Mm. Because there's obviously investments and uncertainty mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. many different things. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, no, I can trust Kara with her own process. And yeah. that's freeing. Yeah. And it's powerful. Well, and it's empowering to me, too. Yeah. To, to know that I'm trusted. I think it also, I, I, I'm thinking about both of our work and how much has pivoted since the beginning of 2020. Yeah. We thought life was going in a certain direction. And we've talked about it on this podcast before. But life looks very different than what we had anticipated. And in that, I think one thing that I've reflected on around work in 2021 is what it looks like to give 
myself permission to do something different. Yeah. My career was going a certain direction. I was 36 and I all of a sudden was like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Here's the new thing that's bubbling up inside of me. And that was really vulnerable. Yeah. That was really vulnerable to, to want something completely different and new and other and to trust myself that I could make it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's powerful though because like this is where self confidence is forged. Mm. You know, this is not like this is where, like looking back, you can probably have this overall a sense of like, wow, I did that, and it's it's just going to increase. It's going to continue to expand from here on out. But even through it all, you probably can look back at it and realize that there was something outside of your ability to yeah. do this all in the right way. That yeah. was like a, like that was co-partnering with you and helping this. And I can't help, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know from my own personal experiences, when I have those aha moments, when I can look back and connect the dots, like that's where hope is Mm. born, Mm -hmm. right? That's where self-confidence is born. That's where Mm -hmm. these remarkable intrinsic qualities that are necessary for us to move our life forward, this is when they're actually forged, Mm -hmm. right? It's being willing to sit in the uncertainty, being willing to listen to trust our intuition, to say yes to that, that inner nudge that is driving our lives for forward mm-hmm. regardless of the cost. And so it's just, I think it's been a beautiful and I'm probably like kind of harping on this right now. I think it's been beautiful because it's drawn us inevitably closer. Yeah. Like I trust you. Yeah. I watch you. I celebrate you. I'm excited for you. Like it's, it's deep in my love for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the love for the superficial things. Now I see like, the, the greatness in you, which I've always mm. known that was there, but now I'm seeing it in you. And now it just makes me fall in love with you even more. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's talk about your work. Yeah. So this year, um, it was despite uh, COVID and stuff, I got back on the road with speaking um, and I did a total of 71 or 75. I can't remember. I think it might have been 75 engagements. Let's split the difference. 73 engagements. (laughs) Holy moly. I've traveled to over like 30 cities, I want to say. I did a lot of traveling, did a lot of speaking. But it was a really big year for me because I feel like it was the year that I realized that, oh my God, like I am a professional speaker and I Mm. owned it. A long time ago, many, many days ago, uh, when I was in Buffalo, New York after the NFL, I remember following this very prominent blogger, and I had just discovered that I could, oh my God, surprising to me, write a coherent sentence. (laughs) And I realized that, like, you know, sharing my thoughts and processing my thoughts in the format of a blog, it was very therapeutic and helped me a lot. Um, So I wrote this guy who was an author of several books, and he had this very prominent and successful blog. And I, I can look back and I can understand why I would ask this question, but even though it's not really important, it was important to me then. And I simply asked him, you know, hey, quick question, when can I call myself a writer? Because I was dealing with so much imposter syndrome. I said, when, I, when can I call myself a writer? And I remember he just responded in just a very simple, but yet profound, with a very simple and profound answer. And he said, you can call yourself a writer. It's like, dear Caleb, you can call yourself a writer whenever you believe that you are a writer, period. Yeah. That's it. And I was just like, oh. And I say that because for so many years, I've been speaking full time now going into my fourth year where I still am just now at this place where I call myself a public speaker. I call myself actually a professional speaker. And really feel that sense of embodying Yeah, this is like, this is the work that I do. I long 
to, um, you know, create spaces and to share spaces with people and kind of just present my ideas and my philosophy and my way of seeing the world and, you know, taking my own stories of heartbreak and burnout and Mm. failure um, and kind of creating frameworks to help other people navigate their own. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been really, really rewarding. And I have spent the last four years primarily speaking in schools. Mm -hmm. This was a really big year for me because I realized that schools, while it is encouraging and powerful in so many ways, um, and while it is very rewarding work, it's not where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Or stay. Or stay. Mm -hmm. And so I made a massive investment in me. Um, Again, this is probably, you know, I'm able to do that because Kara trusts my process. Uh (laughs) Because it was not a a small investment. I made a massive investment for me because there are some things for me to break through in the keynote arena. Um, There are things that as a speaker you need to have. Yeah. You know, because I speak primarily in school, I don't have much footage of me speaking because cameras aren't necessarily allowed in schools. Uh And just so many hoops you have to jump through. And so I don't really have much footage. And so I hired a team, uh, a branding team and a um, copyright team and a video team. And I've been working with them extensively for the last six months. Um, And I just recently flew out to Portland and delivered a brand new keynote uh, with all the lights, camera, and action, uh, but I delivered it to an empty auditorium, mm. uh, <laughs> which was so hard to do, but I think it, it went really well, and though they're going to create my my speaker reel for me and my video for me, um, and so I'm just excited because next year, I'm already getting tastes of like how different it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably going to s- split my number of speaking engagements in half, but all the while tripling my income. Mm-hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of where I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think also with your work, you in, in developing this new keynote, it was, it was like a a birth. It was like a labor of love. And I think you couldn't have done it without it, without the team, right? In the same way that I'm imagining giving birth and I need the hospital team there to help me bring this baby into the world. You needed these people to come alongside you and see your vision and name it and witness Mm -hmm. it with you so that you could birth <clears throat> this new thing and it's it's so good in a similar <laughs> fashion so to like what you are experiencing of like working with people now and helping them trust themselves so that they can expand their lives so that they can take risks so that they can you know have the courage to draw a hard line in the sand and have boundaries when they're dating mm-hmm. somebody whatever it might mm-hmm. be like you can trust yourself and the freedom it, that changes your life when you live with a deep sense of self-trust in a similar way like my keynote and the work that I do with executives in, in, in when I'm presenting a keynote from stage is like really helping them understand the framework and the necessity of moving out of survival mode, mm-hmm. right? Survival mode is this beautiful system that comes online that is designed to protect us for our survival. But the problem is, is that when we spend so much time in survival mode, we inevitably, we burn out, right? And mm-hmm. then we burn out everyone and everything around us and it costs us dearly. Yeah. And so it's been interesting for me as I was writing that keynote, I could feel that anxious energy that I've moved out of. I could feel that anxious energy attached to me and this incessant need to survive yeah. that moment of frustration as I'm writing this keynote. So I had to literally put to practice the thing you were. The thing that I teach in my keynote, my yeah. leadership expansion process, the very thing that I teach in my keynote, I had to put to practice in writing the keynote. Yeah. 
And so I literally had I had to test it out on me. Uh-huh. Right. And so I thought that was just kind of funny. Oh. And it was how my keynote was birthed only by actually doing that actual doing work. That expansion process work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this shit really does work. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I think moving on from work, there has been other massive shifts for us and a big one was leaving behind the city of angels <sighs> right? leaving, los, leaving angeles, los angeles that was a big one that was extremely hard for me and mm-hmm. i'll tell you why and you probably know this if you are familiar with me or my story or any of my writing or so on and so forth but leaving los angeles wasn't leaving the city yeah right it was leaving all of the things that that city represented all of the expectations. All of the had. expectations. The all hopes. of the way that I thought my life was going to change but never did. Yeah. In so many ways. And why I resisted leaving Los Angeles is because I felt like a failure. Mm. Yeah, I had these clear expectations. When I, I didn't move to Los Angeles because I wanted to move to L.A. Mm. I moved there because my heart led me there. Mm-hmm. Right, And even though beautiful things happen, like you know, meeting you um, and finding in a lot of ways community for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um there were expectations of how I thought my life was going to change. And I saw the people around me, their lives changed that way in mm-hmm. that, in that expectation yeah, in that way. But my life didn't necessarily change. In, and the, so, in the way that you had expected. In the way that I expected yeah. to. And so I was holding on to these expectations. But the problem is, is I was living in your, and you know this, I was living in this idea I was living in the dissatisfaction of my life not looking like what I thought it should look like. Mm. And that began to take a very big emotional and mental toll on my life. Um, And I think that was kind of the moment when I realized that you knew it. And I'll let you talk too. Like you knew that it was time to leave before me. Even though I think I knew. I was just like, no. no, Because I I can't fail. I can't lose. Yeah. I need to hold on. I need to like, I need to push my life forward. Yeah. Right. And that created a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately also created a lot of like actual physical health conditions Mm -hmm. as I was holding on. Mm -hmm. So I think the big moral of the story is uh, when you hold on, you know, you need to let go. (laughs) Shit's about to get messy. messy. It is interesting though, that your work needed that fight or like that resistance to develop. Yeah. Like you actually had to go through the process of, of wrestling it down of, of releasing of surrender of letting it go of dying to these expectations of reorienting what success looks like Mm -hmm. to do the work that you're stepping into. Absolutely. So there is, it's like surrender is the most complicated and the most beautiful and sometimes the most. Yeah. Oh, wow. Easy thing ever. Because I think we live in a world where like everyone's like, yeah, surrender. Yeah, surrender. Uh (sighs) It's just hard. Yeah. It's hard. We intellectually understand what surrendering looks like, but living in the midst of it is, Mm. it takes so much intentionality, so much awareness, so much like just courage to Mm -hmm. say yes to it. But this was a massive moment for me because I realized that in this moment, I started to understand, I started to see um, that there will uh-huh. There will, and this is a lot of the work that I did. There will come a time when moving your life forward isn't about doing more, isn't about striving more, isn't about hustling more, isn't about the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Moving your life forward looks like letting go. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It looks like letting go and surrendering. That's there's going to come a time when moving your life forward is all about that. Yeah, it and really is. The I mean, it's such a cliche analogy, but standing on the edge of a cliff and being like, "This is too scary. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to do it." And you resist and you fight it and you anticipate all the ways it could be painful and then you jump and you're like, "Oh, that's what that is." That's and I started to see on the drive home, you know, or the drive to Nashville, we were going through the mountains of New Mexico. It was beautiful. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just so started stunning. to have, I was sitting in quiet, in the quietness of the mountains or whatever. And I remember it was cold out, but I rolled down my windows and I just started having this overwhelming sense of peace of mm. like, even though I felt like a failure, even though I, I was upset and mad at myself and you know, I was holding all of these emotions. I started to feel like, oh my God, I could feel my life being supported. Mm. I could feel that in a real tangible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we got to Nashville, man, <laughs> right? The first, like what you like started crying as I soon as we crying. got here because you're like, oh, what did we do? We what did si- we do? Yeah, we signed a lease on a house without seeing it. Yeah, what it- did we do? And the house has turned into just a godsend, but Nashville in so many ways, it's become the sanctuary that we've needed in our lives, right? Nashville, um, in a lot of ways, is so much slower than Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, it's community driven. And because it's so slow um, and trying to, you know, get situated here in Nashville, I had so much time alone. Uh, And I really embrace like this idea of like letting go david white has a, a line in one of his poems and i remember reading it and i've never forgot it and he just said you know so simple but so profound he says you have to give up all other worlds except the one which you belong to here and now yeah and i realized that i was never present in my life because i was constantly trying to live up to the expectations of where i thought i should be or what i thought my life should look mm-hmm. like and you do to that be for in long. other worlds to be in. I lived in other worlds my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. Imagined other right? worlds. right these worlds that I imagined that I thought yeah. I should be in or what I thought I should be experiencing. And I've strived and I've hustled, tried to make that reality come true. But I realized then like I one day realized I was never in my own life. Like mm-hmm. life was literally passing me by. And that's when I realized that, holy shit, there was never going to be another measure of success that I could experience that could replace. Mm hmm. This, that could actually satisfy this deep ache. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Nashville, I went into that ache. Mm-hmm. And that ache looked like actually giving up all of these expectations and letting go and surrendering and healing this, the, you know, they call it the non-finite grief, the ambiguous losses of life, the unfilled dreams and the unmet expectations. And I started to really lean into like, what does it look like to accept who I am, where I am, mm-hmm. and it be enough, mm-hmm. you know? The last thing I'll say about this is David Wagner has that poem called Lost. And I remember reading it for the first time when COVID first hit. And I was just like, it broke my heart wide open. Mm. Because there's a part in that poem when he says, you know, like, stand still. You know, the force knows exactly where you are. It's all about being lost. Mm-hmm. So stand still. The force knows exactly where you are. You must treat it as a powerful stranger. You must ask permission to know it and to be known by it. Mm. He says, stand still. The force knows where you are. You must let it find you. Mm. And I remember when I read that last line, stand still. The force knows where you are. You must let it find you. I realized that in my entire life, I've always felt lost. But I have ran, sprinted in every direction in the force of my own life, trying to find my way out. Yeah. Anxiously, erratically, frantically, do this, try that, go here, do this, you know, start this, Mm. 
trying to find my way out of this lostness. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I've never did is actually allow the forest to find me. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved here in my, in my willingness to let go of all other worlds, except the one which I belong to here and now and radically accept who I am, where I am. It was the realization that I had was like, this is what it means to let the force find you. Mm, to let yourself be found. And that experience dropping into my life mm -hmm. has changed my life in the most unimaginable ways. Yeah. It's been the, it's, it's, it's birthed this experience of holy shit, yes, the ground that I have been anxiously, erratically, and frantically trying to attain mm -hmm. has been the ground I've been standing on this entire time. Yeah, it's always been here. But I've never been able to see it until mm -hmm. I've allowed myself to be present. Yeah. This baby likes this poem. She was going <laughs> nuts while you were I read it. Uh, the little tiny. I read some David White and some Rumi to her Yeah, <laughs> often. She loves it. Yeah. I'm talking a lot though. So what, what did this do for you? The move? Oh, the move was a lot. Um, I, well, I think for me and I'm going to transition us out of the move, but, okay. but piggyback it. I think the move, if I think about what Nashville did for us, it created space. Yeah, It created yeah. a lot of space for us to individually get clear about our careers, for us to create the space to make a baby. I was reading in this Mothering from Your Center book, she talks about how a lot of times, because she works with pregnant women all over the world, um, m before women conceive, about three months before, there's like a big energetic shift in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we moved in February, and then I got pregnant in April, so three months later, which I just think is interesting. I take it for, for what it's worth. But I think that Nashville really represents, yeah. for, for me, a lot of slowness. Uh, LA, LA was such a good <laughs> season. It was, I love LA. I hope one day we get to go back, but it was a place where I, as a seven on the Enneagram could always be busy, could always be at a happy hour, could always be doing something, could always be dreaming more and hustling more and trying more. And I think that it, that served me for a season, but in Nashville, uh, coming here and slowing down, which is so counterintuitive to who I actually am, was so healthy for me. Yeah, It was so good to intentionally say, I'm going to slow. And slowing didn't mean stop dreaming or stop creating, but it meant reorienting the way that I do those things. Um, so yeah, I feel like Nashville for me, when I just think of like the over arc, it's the move created space. And in that, in the creating space, we got pregnant. Yeah. Which I think is a huge one. Massive. A huge one. It has shifted everything. <laughs> yeah, but what you're touching on, this is like, I think this is so profound. Yeah. Because maybe you're not trying to give birth to a baby. Like literally, maybe mm. you're not trying to get pregnant. Mm. But maybe you are trying to find your partner. Maybe you're trying to find your dream job. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're trying to satisfy that own your own deep inner ache. Like what this year has really done done for us yeah 
is it has really showcased that none of this is possible. There is no satisfying of the deep longings inside of us until we intentionally create mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So creating space, I'm so glad you brought this up, like moving to Nashville, leaving the noise of Los Angeles, right? Creating space isn't about necessarily leaving a geographical location mm-hmm. as much as it's about following your own heart, following your intuition, honoring your truth. And removing things that are noise. Right, 100%. Removing things that are noise, but that looks, yeah, what I'm saying about that is Usually removing things that are noise comes by honoring Mm, the truth, mm -hmm. right? Listening to yourself. Listening to your intuition. Mm -hmm. And so I think that before you can experience the birth of your own individual longings, whatever those things are, you have to. It's a must. It's a non-negotiable. Create space Mm -hmm. for those things, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why like staying in a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in it's destructive. <laughs> I know it's safe. I know it's comfortable. I know yeah. it can actually, you know, give you a little bit of the things that you crave in your life. Yeah. But I promise you, what's on the other side of saying goodbye? I feel like I'm speaking to a specific person right now. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but you're listening. And you're like, yes. Me. Right? That's me. But like the the what you're capable of experiencing on the other side is so big and so mm-hmm. beautiful and so good. And it will surpass every expectation you have ever had. Mm-hmm. Right. But it mm-hmm. requires you to honor your own truth. And mm-hmm. so like, I know for me, creating space looks like living an emotionally honest life, processing emotions, processing feelings. Mm-hmm. It looks like literally decluttering our space. Mm-hmm. Right. And Absolutely. the big one for us is like physically decluttering, yeah, physically mm-hmm. decluttering minimalism but i think a, the big one for us and moving to nashville is what i talked about for me anyways creating space looked like leaving all other worlds it looked like grieving the unmet expectations yeah. and the unfulfilled dreams and accepting who i am where i am when i did that when i cleared out all of that energy yeah right it created the space for actually invite this literal new life in yeah yeah and i think even relationally we got clear on on the kind of relationships we wanted to to be in and the kind of friendships we wanted to be in and the kind of people that we wanted to speak into our lives. And yeah, that was a part of the decluttering as well. Yeah. I think that's a big one. I love that. I feel like there's life on that for us in terms of, you know, I think there's something to it where when, when people, when I, when I thought about wanting something in life, what was taught to me was to go get it. Mm-hmm. Like what was taught to me was to hustle and to figure it out and go get it. Which is, there's an element of truth to it. There is an element of truth. We get things by doing things. Yeah. But I think that, uh, I think that in this season of life, what I am starting to grasp and what I'm starting to, to really connect to is that in the slowness and in the listening, that's where everything is birthed. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's actually when I can get slow enough to, to internally, and this is probably why meditation is so beneficial and we could, we could get into all of that. But when I get slow and I listen to my knowing and I listen to myself, I know my path forward. Mm -hmm. I know how to clear out things that are in the way for what I want. And I even think about our relationship. I didn't go out and find you. I did a lot of work to get connected to myself so that I could attract in the kind of partnership that I wanted to be in. But I think it is a paradigm shift to say, but you created space How for me. How do I me. create space yes. for what I really, really want? Yeah. How do I create space for the things that I long for? That's why, 
Sorry. No, that's it. That's why I say like sometimes the greatest relationship advice is not the non-negotiables about the partner. Like the red flags. The red flags. Those are are all big, important things. But Mm -hmm. like is there actual physical space Mm -hmm. and emotional space and energetic space to invite in your soulmate? Yeah. Right? For the job that you long to have. Is there actual space in your life to invite that thing in? Yeah. Because what I think we do is we find ourselves on this hamster wheel of like kind of – going after the thing we want, not necessarily finding it, right? Or just missing it and then getting wildly upset and frustrated, getting mad at ourselves, right? Getting mad at the life. Um, And we stay in this kind of cycle of ping pong, getting bounced back and forth between, I think this might be it. Nope, dissatisfied. I think this might be it. Nope, dissatisfied. But all the while we're avoiding what the work really needs to be done and that is creating space and creating space. space is hard work it yeah. looks like healing it looks like forgiving yourself forgiving other people forgiving god it looks changing like narratives that processing aren't serving emotions mm-hmm. changing narratives like this is the inner work when you're doing the inner work you're creating space mm-hmm. when you create the space you invite. you invite in new life and i think that's what i was alluding to initially talking about bringing this little baby into the world this mm-hmm. tiny into the world like she just doesn't represent a baby. She represents the expansion on the other side of us intentionally creating space. Mm-hmm. Because I know whether we have another child or not, there are going to be other seeds planted into the garden of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Right. And we will want to birth our dreams. And those dreams are not going to become a reality until we do the work of creating space for the dreams. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about getting pregnant as a big one. As a big shifter. Yeah. Right. Didn't we not just talk about that? We, yeah, we kind of <laughs> did. Well, I just think, I think one thing I want to hone in on is, is this idea of expansion, right? Like you create space in your body to get pregnant and then you get pregnant and then your physical body expands. expands. It actually gets bigger, much bigger. <laughs> I'm, I'm carrying a watermelon right now. Uh-huh. And, and by doing that, I feel like by by inviting in this new life, we have been really expanded. We've been really expanded on True. on how we're thinking about going forward, our desires to build certain things and create certain things in the world. I feel like she's already been such a teacher and she's not even here. Absolutely. Yeah. She's like 100% she's been a teacher. I've realized that despite all of the inner work that I have done, whew, the way that I was parented is, <laughs> yeah. I don't want like my parents. I, I I wholeheartedly believe they did the best that they can, or the best that they could, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't want to parent the way that I was parented. Mm-hmm. I was so mm-hmm. overparented, wildly overparented, right? And there is a dis, there is a direct connection between the, <sighs> the just the the lack of mental, the lack of just resiliency in me as a as a child and as a young adult because i was overparented there were uh, there were i was never given the opportunity to work these things out and yeah. it created an onslaught of mental health challenges in my life um so i i naturally don't want to parent and, and also like being raised in the church and so on and so forth i just don't want to parent the way that i was parented mm-hmm. but it has been ingrained in me and it's in my bones where i just have realized that like bringing this child in the world like oh my god like i have there's so much work i have not even touched <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and obviously yeah. I've known that, because, but it's become so much more clear. Yeah, our friend Amber said to you, I remember we were talking to her, and she said to you, in watching this child grow, you're going to relive every childhood memory you ever had. Amber Lilly's term? Mm-hmm. Did you just see that they are adopting? <gasps> I know. It's on Instagram, so we can talk about oh it. Oh, my gosh. That's so thrilling. But, yeah, she said that to you, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Welcome to the next evolution <laughs> and adventure of our lives. <laughs> so we're Coming so soon. excited. I know four weeks away. Four weeks away. I think another big thing that happened this year is uh, we we alluded to it, but we invested heavily in ourselves. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah, close we to did. fifty thousand dollars in Talk personal about development. Bumping up against all of my scarcity and bumping <laughs> up against all of my money stories. Yeah, I I. I feel really proud of myself for the way that I've leaned into this area of life this year because we grew up with money stories, right? All of us grew up with frameworks and ideas and and parenting around money in a certain way. And we think it's normal because that's what was taught to us. And I think for me, I started to do some scarcity abundance work, you know, a few years ago, but this year in particular with neither of us having secure jobs and Uh, By secure, I mean like nine to fives. And uh, with the move and and, and life being expensive and then getting pregnant, we chose to spend more money than we ever have on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing we've ever done. Yeah. It was the greatest, greatest thing. We're still in the middle of some of it, but. But even even what those things are teaching us are profound. I think it was necessary. I think it was important. Could we have put that money elsewhere? Absolutely. But I, this this was a sure thing. This was a good investment. We're 100%. Mm-hmm. The ROI on this will mm-hmm. continue to pour into our lives yeah. um, from here on out. And I think I think what really like investing this money in ourselves is indicative of is like we believe in ourselves. Like, Absolutely. We put our money where our mouth is. We actually believe in ourselves and the work that we're going to do individually. Mm-hmm. and together as a couple mm-hmm. and talking about a couple this year was a year that we excuse me celebrated our first year of marriage <laughs> you got hiccups yeah which still stands today like falling in love with you still stands like why celebrating our first year of marriage is so big mm. it, like it's still the easiest thing i've ever done yeah i so honestly amazing. like we have you're my best friend you're my partner you're my lover you're all these things you're my co- you're all these things that we are to each other but it's I'm not just saying that, like, it's healthy. Mm, mm-hmm. We, like, it's are a very healthy, re- in a very healthy relationship. Like, I sometimes feel guilty that we don't fight more. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll get there when no, you... No, I'm, I'm... But honestly... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, it's not just the honeymoon. Good. Like, I can tell the difference between some, like, honeymoon feelings. Yeah, like, being that, that statement always gives me so much. When people are like, oh, just wait till you're out on the honeymoon. F- I, I but don't... care, we do so much intentional work, work yes, that we agreed. don't even know... When we are navigating a conflict and how we actually go into that conflict yeah, is is absolutely different than any other time in my life in any yeah. other relationship. Like that right there in and of itself makes navigating conflicts infinitely more less stressful. Yeah. I think what you're naming too is that it's possible. It's possible. For it to be easy. And what I'm saying is, is like, like, oh my God, I wasn't looking for you. You weren't looking for me. We followed our own truths and this has been waiting for us all along. Every day that I wake up next to you, mm. I'm still reminded mm. like what else is waiting for me when I just follow my truth, when mm-hmm. I follow my heart. I was hoping for you. I wasn't looking for you, right. but I was deeply hoping. But you understand you. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like, if this was waiting for me all along, and you say this very well, I wouldn't have been so frantic oh about finding you. Yeah. I would have enjoyed the lo- journey so much more. Yeah. Right? I would, I would have, have been present it. in the journey. I would have been journey. so much more present. I would have had spent all that money on fucking popcorn and wine. Right? <laughs> Maybe you still would have. I don't know. But all I'm saying is now I can rest in my life knowing that 
another version of you, not literally, right? But whatever other dreams are or whatever is waiting yeah. for me, it's waiting for me. Yeah. I can be present in the journey now. I yeah. don't have to like figure know, it out. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's it's waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you know, our relationship represents in so many ways. Mm-hmm. There's an ease to there's an ease to it Absolutely. because it's it was still work. You and I did so much work, yes. but we didn't, it wasn't a, a striving towards each other. It was a, how can we go deeper inward and heal more and get more connected to self yep. and, and self truth. And then our path is aligned. And, and that really does, it does create a different framework for operating in relationship because everything else externally tells us that we have to go figure it out. And if we just trusted that right. what is meant for us is coming for us and again created the space and then allowed it to come in the right time there's so many big like things that overlap <laughs> like this this like everything tells us to figure it out uh-huh. like figuring it out the need to figure it out is a survival mechanism Absolutely. it's a survival pattern it's control it's control it's mm-hmm. the need to avoid uncertainty it's all these things so now we realize that wait whenever i'm feeling like i need to figure it out i'm not present in my life here and now Right. The real work isn't figuring it out. The real work is actually recentering myself and being present in my life here and now. Trusting. And really getting to this point, if I never figure it out in my life, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And what's happening? You're surrendering. You're letting go of all other worlds except the one you which belong to here and now. Mm-hmm. This is like, I feel like this year, and I said it uh, before we move, I said this is going to be such a year of deep transition and sowing seeds. Yeah. And what I feel like we sowed into were new paradigms that are going to mm. literally shape our lives from here on out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It's I think the last year. thing, the, the big thing that I will say from my experience, you didn't really get to do it because you started, but then you were pregnant, is yeah. microdosing psilocybin. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't get to. That was a That was a life-altering experience for me. Um, I won't go into, into too much detail, but it plays into everything that, uh, we've been talking about. There's no coincidence that microdosing came on the tail end of us getting COVID. Mm -hmm. So we also got COVID this year, but I think COVID while it does, I'm not making light of this in any way, while it does represent literal death all across the world, like there has been so much metaphorical death. Absolutely. Right. So many loss of dreams and loss of, uh, opportunities and, there's just been so much metaphorical death and death always precedes new life, right? Death is the prerequisite to experiencing new life. And so I started microdosing on the tail end of microdosing um, psilocybin mushrooms, like just in case, yeah, we're clear on what I'm talking about. And I started to uh, do it on the tail end of having COVID um, and I wasn't drinking. I was very intentional. I, I, I didn't go find the plant medicine. I didn't wake up one day and be like, I want a microdose because mm. everybody's talking about it. I, I genuinely feel like it found me. The plant found medicine you. found me. Um, the act of microdosing in and of itself, it was subperceptual. So there, you know, it is like um, a psychedelic, but I was not seeing fairies on the wall or I wasn't seeing <laughs> yeah. colors or anything like that. I could take a microdose and I could go work out. Like it didn't affect me at all. But I knew, like I think part of the magic of microdosing is trusting that the medicine is doing the work in the way that the medicine is supposed to do work. It looks different for every person, Mm -hmm. right? And it's kind of like surrendering yourself over to the medicine, surrendering yourself over to the plant medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was such a profound experience for me. Not only did it, I genuinely feel different. Like my overall, I think, sense of happiness. Yeah. Like I've lived so many years with that existential dread and that deep ache and it's crippled my happiness. I have not been historically a very happy person. 
I've, and this is why I've ran so hard, hoping mm-hmm. that one day I could reach a level of success where Find. I can be happy, mm-hmm. you know, but now I've been able to find the happiness in the present and microdosing just. It was a great tool yeah, for that. It was such a great mm-hmm. tool. It shifted my life mm-hmm. in such profound and deep ways. Yeah. I think what you said too, the, the medicine really did find you. I think, you know, there's so much, people have so many opinions about these things, yeah. but when, Again, it comes back to your deep knowing and trusting yourself. If something is calling you and, and, and seeking you and and you feel aligned with that. And I I come across people who microdose and like, it's not working. It's not doing anything. And it's like, no, but you are literally living in the resistance of having the expectations of what you think this medicine should do. Mm. And you're Mm. not experiencing your expectations and therefore you don't think it's working. Like this is the work you're. The work is literally presenting itself right in front of you right now, and you don't see it. Yeah, it's the allowing. It's the allowing to uh-huh. let it be and what it trust mm-hmm. that it's working and letting go of it needing to look a certain way. Yeah. If like we if, are ever in a time in the world where that is like the thing, yeah. the, the the collective lesson, man, if, if we could lean into that, yeah. it's just... It's difficult. There's another way. There's another way. <laughs> um, well, there you have it. That's uh, our year in review. Yeah. And again, I think if you're still with us, God love you. Um, <laughs> but the hope for it's this kind of like you're is, having dinner with us or having yeah, the, coffee with us. This is literally what we talk about. But the hope for this is um, if you find yourself in a similar season, maybe just maybe we've put some context, put some language to the inner rumblings of your own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and if any of this resonates with you, or if you have any questions around this, uh, please feel free to reach out to Kara and I, either on our Instagram channels at Caleb underscore Campbell or at by Kara Elise. Um, we have our personal websites, CalebCampbell.me. All this is in the description. In the notes, in the show um, notes. Also by Kara Elise.com uh-huh. um, and also KaraandCaleb.com. Lots of places you can find us. Lots of places you can find us. And I would highly encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, take take an hour at least to sit still and reflect on your 2021. Ask some questions. Ask what you feel proud of. Ask what you feel surprised by. Ask what you allow to sink in, what lessons were taught to you. There's something so powerful about reflecting because we put name and language to what has happened, and then it gives us the ability to look forward and, and... walk forward with a new perspective. So take the time for yourself to do that. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We will see you in the new year.